This is episode 94 with Nadia El Fartasi. If you have a family or you work from home or even you have visitors, it's very easy for a hacker to come drive by or to hack on your Wi-Fi router, get into the system, right? And if you if your child, a teenager or your family have your mobile phone or your laptop, they can infiltrate in organizational networks because again, sometimes the VPN connection or the cloud-based doesn't work. So we use our personal device. We use, you know, uh, uh, we still use password and logins that are very easy to hack and they can even hack multi-fact like. Welcome to the Drive to Succeed podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Drive to Succeed podcast. If it's your first time tuning in today, my name is Daniel, the host of the show. This podcast exists to bring you new knowledge, wisdom, and truth in the world of entrepreneurship and self-development. Hey everyone, I hope you're well. Today's episode is an interesting one because if you are online, I'm sure you experience clicking on a link and suddenly redirected you to a website that asks for your personal information but your gut tells you something that it is sketchy or there's something fishy behind it, right? And you're ever wondering why or how cyber criminals target and groom people to get what they wanted, then this episode is for you. Today's guest is no other than Nadia Elfartasi, who is the founder and CEO of Thrive with EQ. Nadia worked with NATO Cyber Executive Arm for the past 20 years a stakeholder engagement senior executive before jumping full-time into entrepreneurship. And in this episode, we talk about very relevant topics on cybersecurity awareness and emotional intelligence, like the impact of COVID to workforce and how do criminals work their way in to target companies and individuals who are vulnerable for cyber threat or cyber crime exploitation, either be a financial or political motivated. We also talk about how to use social media responsibly, influencer models, and the effect of its kids and teenagers. Case studies of high-profile breaches in the C-level suite as parents as well. If you're a parent, how do you protect yourself and your child from social engineering tactics from criminals who are financially motivated? Voice phishing, technology, and many more. How many of you would like to learn how to create and sell your own online course? Turn what is inside your head, combine the experience and expertise built over the years into a profitable signature workshop. Want to learn how to launch your side hustle in the next 90 to 120 days? Then listen to the next few minutes. Over the years, especially in the past 18 months, e-learning has become an important part of the modern education system. According to market research report released by ReportLinker.com, which is an AI-enabled market intelligence platform, and an article written in Forbes.com, the global market for e-learning, listen to this, is estimated at 250.8 billion US dollars in the year 2020, which is last year alone, and is projected to reach a revised size of 457.8 billion US dollars by 2026, which is growing at a compound annual growth rate of 10.3% over the analysis period. So, what does it mean? There is a big opportunity and massive shift happening in the online learning industry. 
So if you're wondering and listening to this podcast, like, how can I take advantage of this? How can I take my knowledge, experience, and expertise into a signature workshop? What can I sell? Like, what to sell? How to sell? And be a producer, not just a consumer. Then go check out my free training on the drive to succeed.com forward slash masterclass. Again, the website is the drive to succeed.com forward slash masterclass. It's going to be 30 40 minutes of your time. And I promise you, if you just take one thing from the free training and apply it immediately, you're going to change everything for you. All right. Once again, check out the website, the drive to succeed.com forward slash masterclass. And without further ado, let's welcome Nadia El Fartasi. Thank you, Daniel. It's a, it's a pleasure. All the way from Brussels, Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I think we got connected on LinkedIn and you have a very interesting background. And, you know, for our audience, was just stumbling upon your name for the first time. Can you just tell us who is Nadia El Fatasi? Yes, so my name is Nadia Fatasi. I was born, as I like to call it, in a cultural dichotomy. I was born in the Netherlands with uh, origins. My parents are from Morocco, so I grew up between two cultures of Arab uh, fire and Dutch boldness, which got me in a lot of uh, troubles at times growing up and, uh, and later on in life. Um, I worked at, at NATO for almost 20 years in different uh, countries, different placements, and always related to people, stakeholder engagement in the area of digital transformation, cybersecurity. And uh, I, I love, you know, I love my uh, growth mindset. I think it's very important to grow as a person, as a professional and our knowledge. So I always did uh, uh, studies, uh, fellowships, certification. And there was one fellowship in particular I did in 2008 with the German Marshall Fund, which is a large transatlantic think tank focused on security and, and foreign policy and defense. And I traveled to the U.S., different cities, and I, for me, a whole new world opened up, and my entrepreneurial spirit got lit. <laughs> on. <laughs> I, 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 I loved my job at NATO. I think I, I learned so much there, and, and this was a, a great mission. But I felt that I wanted to to do more, and and at the same time, I think life put you in a position to force change. I, I was always doing too much as well at the point and, and I didn't listen to my, my body. So I felt to burn out. And that's when I took the time to try to recover and ask myself the million dollar question, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to stay at NATO or, and, and, or do I want to become an entrepreneur and explore this facet of life? So I did that. Mm-hmm. No idea COVID was going <laughs> Uh, it was around the corner, obviously, which is a good thing. I may not have quit my, uh, resigned my job. But I think COVID also helped me because what I, uh, how I found the tribe with EQ is using the crisis management methodologies. We, we leveraged at NATO because mm-hmm. we work with so many different sectors and, and disciplines and cultures. I worked with people from 40 countries at all levels. And preparedness and resilience was at the forefront of our mission, of our work. So I really used this methodology to develop practitioners' uh, simulation exercises related to people. How do we help people navigate the challenges that we face? And, and I think COVID helped me really focus on specifically cybersecurity 
because as we've seen with COVID, a uh, 600% increase in cybercrime, more than 96% is uh, due to social engineering attacks by, by criminals. Social engineering is, is basically the use of, of emotional manipulation to get people to do what you want them to do. And there are many forms, but it's malicious uh, if it's used by criminals, right? You also have ethical social engineers, company hires to really test and see where the, the, the holes are in their organization. And, and I, I really focus on the pain of cybercrime. How do we minimize the pain uh, of cybercrime? Because cybercrime, you cannot eradicate cybercrime, right? Everything exists in polarity. And, and how do you help people navigate it? How do you help collaboration, communication when there's so much pressure? And, and, and emotional intelligence is all about behavioral change. How do we help people and organizations build resilience and cope with their immediate challenges and, and, and strategic environment? So this is a long monologue introduction of uh, who Nadia is and what Nadia does. <laughs> well, it's, it's very interesting, actually, because, you know, it's actually the first time I had someone interviewed from NATO, which is a good you know, background to start with in terms of cybersecurity and all this kind of because it, you know, it's had the virus diverse of, you know, solutions in terms of like governments. And interestingly, you've been there for 20 years. So I assume, you know, you've grown with NATO even during the beginning with technology just starting out and how it evolved to as we know it so far uh, up to this date. Right. Um, and just just a quick question, though. So you were in NATO for 20 years and now you started Thrive with EQ, which is more on helping. Is it more on individuals or organizations? Um, what it is exactly that, that you do? I do both, but my, my main focus is working with organization, especially with the, the IT leaders or the, the human resources department, because one of the main challenges when it comes to cybersecurity is the multi-layered uh, facet, right? And risk management. And I think what COVID has exaggerated or shown is difficulty in, in, in working together when cyber attacks occur or even in preparing, right? The, the resilience, because cybersecurity means different things in different maps of the world. When you look at the security team, right? Their focus is to uh, minimize the current attacks, to make sure that all the updates are done, patches, people are uh, having cyber hygiene practices and so on. So really minimize the risk for cyber attack and if the obviously there will be a risk to have fast recovery and resiliency processes in place according to the incident response plan however when you look at C-suite, right? Their main focus is minimal business disruption. So business continuity, reputational, uh, minimal reputational damage, uh, value from shareholders and stakeholders. So it's, it's, it's a very different agenda. And often, as we have seen, is cybersecurity takes up priority when some when organizations make the headlines and many organizations don't even make the headlines because they don't report these breaches yeah. then you have the human resources right because this is a friction between for example if you look at the role of the cio uh, c from uh, chief information security officer it's got a lot of prominence now right uh, how do we move to a people-centric role how do uh, do they need to be part of the c-suite etc but I think it's it's a much broader question because 
technically they're very focused on the technical aspect, but now they are required to do stakeholder engagement, to meet different expectations against different set of controls, to have behavioral change, is that HR responsibility, to you know, a business or a development or the marketing team, they're focused on getting the product or service out there as easy, as fast as possible. And so they often perceive cybersecurity as a barrier instead of an enabler. Uh, and you have all these different maps of the world. So when I help organizations with, I design training and scenarios in, in a safe space, meaning that we come together and we connect first based on team building and really disassociate and do the role play. What This is the world of the HR manager. This is the world of the C-suite. This is how you can get buy-in from the C-suite. This is the impact, right? I think a lot of people, they are trading time against security and they see yeah. security as taking away their time. And when you look at ransomware, for example, the, the uh, C-suite is one of the highest targeted a profile but not alone also small small business and medium small medium-sized businesses entrepreneurs etc so no one is actually safe because how emotional intelligence works if we haven't felt the impact then why is it relevant in our map of the world right so mm-hmm. i i really help people make these links the other thing that I also work with individuals is build personal resilience. I, I also believe in personal change agents, right? Mm-hmm. What can we do in our locus control to minimize the pain of stress, chronic stress, to minimize the pain of disruption, to how do we get uh, our team on the same sheet of music? How do we build uh, uh, resilience? How do we communicate? How do we collaborate? All these I don't like to call it soft skills because I think these are crucial skills. <laughs> soft skills is, is maybe triggering an association that it's weak. While, you know, uh, I think if we look at cyber breaches, 96% social engineering is human hacking, right? It's really human hacking. And I'll, I'll go later on in more depth sure, on sure. how criminals use uh, people-centric business models to actually uh, g- gain a lot of money with the, the ransomware uh, business. Understood. Well, thank you so much for for laying that out, those two kind of target markets that you work with. And it's really interesting that you mentioned about um, emotional attack. Is that what I heard? Go ahead. Yes, so it's a not necessarily emotional attack. So it's if we understand how social engineering works for criminals, right? They have two two um, modus operandi general. There are several nuances, but first, if you look at the remote workforce or hybrid workforce, uh, there, is a, a, there is a disruption, right? There are not for everyone, but there is a higher levels of stress, decreased focus, decreased alertness. We're now working mainly from home. Some people like it, other people don't, other people prefer whatever it is, but we can all agree that stress has gotten a new meaning, uh, post-COVID, right? And yep. it's and, and in addition with the fast-paced digital transfer acceleration is our attention spam is very short, right? There's so much information. I think LinkedIn, for example, it's like filled with all kinds of information from buy my service to meet my dog to <laughs> I'm having a baby to, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think there is so much triggers and getting people focused is an art. And criminals prey on that, right? They prey on lack of focus. I think if you go back 
to the methodology behind criminology, uh, one studies have shown that one of the techniques that criminals use is to choose their target based on how present they are, right? Based on the vibes they get off. So someone who is distracted gives up gives off a certain vibe, a certain frequency. And this is how they also uh, can pick up on that and target them. Which this is, it means actually, if you are uh, not present, right? If you don't use your senses, we often just are in our monkey mind, our senses of smell, touch, taste, really our nervous system and understand that emotions are passing, right? To really allow them to flow through and not cloud your judgment, you can be more present now they, they have there were studies done on to personality types which personality types are more uh, uh, susceptible to social engineering so you know, extrovertedness or uh, the, a lot of sharing but the problem comes here now this is also a behavioral change issue right i think you can be very for example even me i am in this business now but if i am uh, trying to feed my son and uh, i feel overwhelmed because i'm doing many things at the same time i get a message or i'm you know i'm, I'm doing something it's i could click on the link based on the impulse not necessarily based on the rational right so yeah. it's 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 really easy to fall some people fall easier than others so it requires a holistic uh, approach and this is where i come in i offer dual tack track approach because how do you get people to change they need to know what's in it for me right the w yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and when they understand how this will make their life better, becoming more focused, alert, and making cyber awareness fun in their map of the world, then you <clears> decrease <throat> the human service attack. You you educate people on how they operate, right? And how you can empower them as well, because to ask questions, I think it depends in different cultures. I know you are situated in the Middle East, but it's very interesting to look at, you know, the culture of if you have, if you work in an organization that values a lot of hierarchical structure, people may feel very uncomfortable to question, right? So this is why a CEO frauds, Many people wonder, how can someone fall for a CEO fraud? Uh, well, if you work in a culture that is based on hierarchy or maybe even fear or stress, you fear your, your, your supervisor or you fear to do something wrong, right? If someone, and these emails are very well crafted, the perfect timing, right? And there's a lot of psychology, behind, a lot of high levels of emotional intelligence. So people are more prone to, to, to fall for it in order not to face the repercussions from their superior to the culture. So it's really about, I address the personal change agent, but there's also the systematic culture without making organizations or people feel wrong about it. I think this is where uh, uh, people get hung up on when you tell people that they are wrong or what they know to be true for themselves is wrong, get very defensive, right? You want people to understand the impact, to feel, and to see change as non-linear. Change happens to us, but this trans transitions happens within us. People are not technology or processes to be managed. You need to lead them, guide them, etc. So it really takes EQ leadership, which often a lot of organizations don't have time or don't have the right skill set, etc., or don't see the value of investing upfront. But the investment upfront can really lead to sustainable long-term results. Instead of just patching the symptoms, 
right? Putting Band-Aid in, in, the, in the organizational uh, human tracks, you can really address the root cause. This is why the dual track approach is part of an approach. Obviously, technical firewalls, technical solutions, the other facets as well is, is, is part of the, the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And then also, I, I believe for the past uh, 25 minutes, you, you mentioned very important you know, uh, messages there about social engineering. I mean, you know, when, when people are distracted, it's like they're the most vulnerable into cyber crime attacks, right? Because maybe, like you mentioned, maybe like a mother who's working at home, taking care of the baby, cooking on maybe <laughs> simultaneously, and then suddenly, you know, a simple text message come in, and it feels like, you know, a text from her boss and maybe an email from her CEO or something. And then she clicked it and it automatically, you know, opens up her system to vulnerabilities and things that, you know, might have damage, not just for the company, but also on her financial losses. I think it's very important to to address that for our audience as well, who, who might be working at home and think about, all right, maybe I need to step back a little bit and see you know, whether this message is legit or this is something that has been really sent to me on purpose, right? Um, and also, secondly, you mentioned about, you know, high-profile breaches because most people, we, we normally don't hear this on the news, right? Maybe Fortune 500 companies had had a, had a cyber crime attack or something like that and some huge information. I think last, last year, you know, big companies or gaming companies, you know, they, they have been hacked by major, you know, hackers and they got lots of credit card information. And we rarely hear this from other companies. And you work you work in, in this industry for so long. I think it's very important for people to bring awareness on that kind of, you know, things as well. Um, so just to just to better understand, you mentioned about hierarchical organization. And most of the time people would not preferably maybe ask their superior because maybe they might get you know afraid of maybe being i don't know laid off or be reprimanded because of some things what are your what are your thoughts on that just to avoid this kind of stuff do you implement systems in place or do you like bring awareness towards or all right so this you know different stakeholders come in place this is the scenario how do you react to it you know yeah so let me address first these questions, and then I'll add something also to the, the first one in working from home. I think first it's it's to understand that, you know, in general, we need to kind of foster a new leadership uh, post-COVID, right? Because how do you lead and manage uh, uh, people? We can all have a title of a manager, but it comes with responsibility. It comes with, you know, how do we focus on people. I think when we look at the past decades, there was a lot of uh, focus on building systems, building agile processes and technology. Yeah. But what the pandemic has shown us is that you don't build agile people. Right? <laughs> and I think people uh, as human nature to want to feel uh, secure and safe within yourself, but often we, we only feel safe and secure in ourselves when we have certain needs met. And it's different for in each organization, but also in each culture or society. So when it comes to the organizational culture, it's first to, to understand the impact of, I don't like to say people toxic, but behavioral toxic behaviors or toxic leadership. And it doesn't mean it it's related to the person, right? It's just the style. Because first, you increase the risk for insider threat, both intentional and un un unintentional. Intentional insider threat now is 
if they don't feel appreciated, if they don't feel valued, if they just work day and night to please the organization, whatever it is. And when you look at, for example, the colonial pipeline attack that happened in the US a few months ago, and the organization behind it, you know, dark side, and they have actually very people-centric business model, and they leverage their ransomware as a service business model, which even allows non criminals, just, you know, normal people who are financially motivated, who want to make money to be part of it. They even get incentives, right? They have a customer service. They have a whole enterprise model in place. And it's very people-centric. It's very agile. It's not cemented with bureaucracy and this hierarchical leadership. So it's very easy uh, uh, for insiders then to say, no, uh, I'm going to compromise uh, my yeah, my organization, because why wouldn't I, right? And I think we don't necessarily think from this perspective on how do you incentivize motivation, engagement, but also how do you get people to uh, have more ethical behavior than not? This is one aspect. The other is unintentional insider threat. And this is where I refer back to the CEO fraud, people making mistakes, etc. I, I mean, research showed that there will always be a percentage that will make mistakes because it's normal. But I think the, the, the residual risk, so to, you can organizations can take more actions in reducing it, right? In first understanding what kind of leadership we need to change? What are the organization's values? How do we treat our people? What is the diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in place, etc.? cetera? Uh, make cyber awareness training more fun. I think mm -hmm. there have been a lot of studies that you people, that when we appeal to fear, right, then you get people that address reducing the fear, but not the root cause of their behavior. <laughs> Right. So and, and now also there was a recent study has shown that people, a lot of people don't actually uh, appeal to it anymore, react. Right? They don't take it serious because there's so much fear. So communicate in a very practical way. What are the risks? You know, uh, how can you change it? Uh, what can happen? What is the impact? And use training that uh, people can feel the impact in their map of the world. And here I will link it back to your first question, because, uh, you know, working from home is yes you can be distracted and click on links but there are other ways as well uh, one additional way is now if you have a family or you work from home or even you have visitors it's very easy for a hacker to come drive by or to hack in your in your wi-fi router get into the system right and if you if your child or teenager or your family have your mobile phone or your laptop, they can infiltrate in organizational networks because again, sometimes the VPN connection or the cloud-based uh, doesn't work. So we use our personal device. We use, you know, uh, on, uh, we still use password and logins that are very easy to hack and let, they can even hack multi-factor. Uh, like I change my multi-factor authentication every two weeks, for example, like standard. And at the beginning, I did not like it. It takes really practice, right? But this is it. It's, it's really understanding that I rather put in the effort and make sure I am protected at the maximum in my locus of control. And I always joke about it because in my personal capacity, I'm also a mental health advocate. So I write a lot about vulnerability, inspiring people. So I always say if cyber criminals hack me, then maybe I can inspire the dark web and make them... <laughs> 
make, make them from cyber criminals to ethical people and, and, and get the best out of them. So, but I, I joke about this, but this is one way, right? The other, I think, which is also a, a huge or significant risk is isolation. You know, people who live alone or people who crave that connection. COVID has really exaggerated this disconnect between each other and the, and, and the loneliness problem that we feel. So what do cyber criminals use? Let's compare this about when you fall in love. When you fall in love with someone, your, your love hormones are triggered, right? You see the world through rose-colored glasses, not necessarily what is actually going on. You want to put your your best foot forward and you see all of a sudden you can fall in love and the whole your whole world seems so much better and nothing has actually changed it obviously there is more to it as well but it mainly is the chemicals in the brain so cyber criminals are trained to you to trigger those hormones to build trust when we meet someone for the first time, right, subconsciously, we ask four questions. Who is this? What do they want? How long does it take? And are they a threat? So they are trained especially to, to reduce the threat. Just think about it, right? If, if you are having a difficult day and I just smile a lot, you immediately feel at ease. I can actually, you know, just by asking some basic questions, get a lot of information out of you in addition to the work that I've done on open source intelligence, right? I think there's so much out there. Even if, even if we are careful, our offspring or whoever, we, we, everyone's tagging, has, you know, a lot of information. So I think this is to be taken into account also for organization. How do we manage this? Because you can have enforcement policies or you can have cyber hygiene for the personnel, but how are you going to enforce the additional of the family or the visitors? And this requires, I think, a new approach to training and also scale it up. One of the things I'm doing, I'm working with a business partner in really designing these scenarios so we can scale them up for companies that have you know, 10,000 employees or 5,000 employees who don't necessarily, you know, it takes a lot of time away from the work to train people in person. So really to build these emotional intelligence intelligence related to the human factor, uh, uh, learning experiences, virtual reality experience, so people can, you know, feel and relate with these, uh, with these scenarios, because there are a lot of aspects towards it. Interesting. Well, well, thank you so much for, for bringing awareness on that. I, I mean, most people, they have some sort of intelligence on cybercrime, um, but the way you say it, it, it just brings more to a broader perspective. Right, because like me, for instance, when I was talking to you earlier, I was just only thinking about links. I wasn't thinking about maybe people can hack into my router signal and use that, you know, connection going into my intranet or the the computer's intranet network where I can access confidential files and that can be leaked. Or maybe you know they are already in your network and you open up your camera and you know there's some sensitive things that they can see and use that or even record your voice in terms of like voice fishing right um that's why even like me and my wife when we're talking together when she mentioned about anything sensitive i said just write it down or you know let's turn off the internet and maybe you know um because they can record the voice and in some form i don't know this is what's your take on that about voice fishing 
I, I think it's also common common sense. I mean, before I answer forced fishing, I, I mean, because I think when we use fear, right, then yeah. people all of a sudden are going to the extreme. I'm not going to open up emails, etc. But that's not uh, practical because it's it's to really reshift our mindset from cybersecurity as a niche, as difficult, as dark web, as criminal, to how do we and live, you know, how do we create a secure and safe digital footprint as much as possible? And this requires a mindset shift and preparedness, right? What are my most important assets, right? What are the things? What do I have? out there often we talk about organizations to do asset control but we have to do it for ourselves right what do i have how do i operate what is the impact if this get leaked right some information okay they can get leaked it's not the end of the world right others actually so it's on this asking allowing fear to ask the right question what will happen what will happen what will happen i always say what separates humans from any species on this planet is our ability to imagine so i use a lot of visualization exercise to help people visualize what would happen because then they can overcome that fear and move to more practical steps they can take step one step two step three to to build enough preparedness to the extent possible. So when they are hacked or when something happens, the fear levels are lower. They are not as emotionally uh, uh, you know, triggered because they are prepared, right? And this is what I use from the NATO experience. I think when it comes to phishing, I, I think for now, and, and this is my, my general view, is it's really this deep fake impersonation. So when we, for example, when we compare ransomware, right? You have ransomware as commodity, which is very to mass markets. It's a lot of automation and it doesn't cause a lot of disruption. I mean, the impact is limited because it's large scale automation, but human operated ransomware is much more sophisticated. They have, they have a lot of resources and time. So they are more likely to use deep uh, impersonation technology and you know voice phishing as well until it becomes more easier to use. And then they will probably target. So it's not only financially motivated, right? Yes, financially motivated, but it can be politically motivated. It can, because when you look at, for example, uh, there was an interesting case study in, in, um, in the Middle East in the, one of uh, Saudi Arabia's Riyadh forums. They announced in June that an anonymous group that was not very active in the forum, they actually hacked the data, but they did not compromise the organization. So they, what they did is that if they don't pay 50, US, 50 million US dollars in dinero, they can leak the data to other people, right? So the question there comes when you look at Middle East, right? Are they willing to pay the money to get their data back, right? It's it's different parameters, but even the problem becomes, and it's not like to say pay or not pay, when you pay, you kind of send a message to the criminals continue hacking, right? But when it's politically motivated, right, state-sponsored attack, then there are much many more behind it. And if you have high-profile people, they can target high-profile people for their personal reputational damage, scandals, as we've recently seen also in the UK and, and elsewhere, right? So yeah. there are many more parameters and they are likely to use deep, you know, voice phishing as well. And they are very, very scary on how accurate. I think they have, you know, some examples on how they uh, uh, deep impersonation voice of Boris Johnson, the prime minister of UK, yeah. which was very accurate. So uh, I think yesterday I saw that the tech startup in Silicon Valley now has uh, um, an AI voice for gamification.
that that uh, can replicate complex human emotions. And I'm always very cautious about that because I think a lot of people don't understand, even scientists who have done years of research are still, you know, we have, haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg of how our brain influences our emotions. And it's very different per culture and per, so there's a lot of misunderstanding. And when you have these tech companies and they pump a lot of money in it, uh, but it's to evoke emotion, right? When yeah. we look at Pixar, when we look at Disney, and why are so many people are people so happy? They have a certain idea of how their life should be because when they watch the movie, they want to feel that same emotion, right? So it's actually kind of messed up a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> but it just shows human nature. I mean, even I, you know, we want to feel those emotions, and it's it's a huge problem because even though people know what is right, what they should do their behavior, they want to feel a certain way. And criminals are really masters in yeah. playing on that. So I think in conclusion is that I think voice phishing voice is going to increase, but I think to make a distinction of also to put yourself in the criminals map of the world, they will use easy, large scale mass market uh, when it's commodity, right? When it's like quick money and uh, human ransomware or, or sophisticated state sponsored or sophisticated attacks, they require more resources, more time, and they're more likely to use all these technologies. But again, it's changing very fast, right? I think next year we, we may hear of another digital virus already. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And also, I, I always believe, you know, sometimes if it's a high profile crime, definitely they're investing a lot of money into it. And, you know, it takes a lot of years of planning. But regardless of if the organization is ready to, you know, face any kind of threat or attack from cyber criminals, I think that can be also prevented. Um, that's why I believe your work is very important. And you mentioned a lot of things about emotional, you know, EQ, right? EQ, changing our mindset, asking what to what to think, what will happen, what will happen, what will happen. And then also you tackle about one thing about social media, because this is one of the, you know, very important topics right now, I believe. You know, uh, most people are sharing a lot of things and sometimes it can be a nuisance, nuisance about, you know, they can talk about everything like dog, cats, my, what I ate yesterday, you know, is it Britney Spears right now or maybe Justin Bieber tomorrow, you know what I mean? Um, but there are times where this invokes emotion and that can also, you know, think they may think that it's, it's for fun. You know, people like into it, they click into it. But what are your thoughts about posting and putting yourself into a vulnerable state that can be used as, you know, a threat or, you know, a form of a way to hack into your system or whatever, you know? Yeah. So be before I answer that question, I, I'd like to explain in a very nutshell on emotional intelligence and then link it back to our online behavior. So if people want to look up Lisa Feldman Barrett, she is one of the top 1% cited neuroscientists, and she has a lot of great videos and explains and dispels the myth of emotional intelligence. So you really can deep dive her. In essence, our brain is not, I always like to, you know, I always say, it's not there to make us creative geniuses. It's there to regulate our energy in our body, right? We have all these functions in our body. They work 24 seven for us so we can live and function. And uh, as you would look at an enterprise model, you need to have enough resources and budget enough resources for the departments as a whole to make the organization work for optimally. So when there is an energy deficit, 
right? So there is less energy because of uh, one of the organs are uh, maybe you didn't have enough, you know, it translates into a general feeling. So then the other system in the brain, it's called the interoceptor system, is giving meaning to these sensations. And these are very general sensations. These are not complex emotions. Think about when you're hungry, right? If uh, my, the love for the world goes through my stomach as well. So if I am hungry and I haven't eaten and I do a training or I'm an interaction, it shapes the way I uh, talk, the shapes the way I behave. Unless I ask myself, and this is what I want to give people, when you, when you feel agitated, when you feel depressed, when you feel sad, or when you feel very high, because you can also have an energy surplus, and you need to exercise or you need to do something else to, to channel it out. Ask yourself first this basic question. Did I, you know, did my lack of sleep have anything? Do I need more sleep? Do I need caffeine? Do I need to eat something? Do I need more sugar? Do I need, you know, what is it? Just yesterday, I'm doing this series of trainings over the summer, and I and I, I didn't have time to eat, and it, it shaped the way I uh, showed up actually. So then I asked myself, okay, I, it's not because I'm the you know I, something is going on. It's just I didn't eat, right? <laughs> and then it 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 reduces the complexity, and you can do something about it, right? It seems very simplistic, but it already when you look at it in this lens, you can achieve huge behavioral changes. The second is to understand that during our formative years, zero to seven years old, child's brain is formed. It doesn't do logic, right? It, it, it takes up all the behaviors from our parents, from our caregivers, from our society, from our culture. And, and our brain is formed and with all these beliefs, these bias, this is why, you know, conscious bias, stereotype beliefs, etc., come from. So we really imprint the, our environment based on, 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 on what we see. And so a lot of the times we are walking around with beliefs and thinking that are not even ours. We just inherited them, right? It's human evolution. But what happens over the years, our, like I said, the brain needs to maximize energy. We have an average 2 million bits of information that go up our spine and that go first to our limbic part of the brain where the emotions are processed. Only 40 bits of information actually get you know, in the end process, the, uh, the rest gets generalized, deleted or ignored because our brain does not have the capacity, the mental capacity to translate what we see in full. This is why we see the world based on how we feel, not based on actually what's happening. Example, if you would roll your eyes now at me, Danielle, if I would feel lack of hunger or if I don't feel well, I can say, oh, he really doesn't like me as guest, right? Or I could say maybe he has something in his eyes. So we, we, we jump to conclusion because we don't like gaps in our mind, right? We don't like gaps, so we need to close it. So it's important to understand that in this process, the brain goes back in the filing cabinet, past experiences, constructs the emotion that is related to the past experiences that drives your behavior, right? Best response option. And when you when the, uh, there is error in the response option, then you redirect, and this is how you learn. Scientists call this the learning process. It takes up a lot of energy. And if you do it in an environment that is not fear-based or stressed, it takes up even more energy, right? It really drains your energy. This is why psychological safe environment, EQ leadership is so important. Now, why is this all relevant when it comes to social media? We all seek validation, right? This is one. We all seek validation. We all want to, am I good enough? Am I doing enough? In, in whatever shape or form. Unfortunately, a lot of people use social media 
to as a mechanism to validate themselves, right? And there is a lot of money-making machines, unfortunately, that take advantage of that. I loved, I saw in a recent announcement of Norway that is now uh, was going to find influencers who do not put in their Instagram photos or photos online that they are photoshopped. So you saw this woman in a, a very uh, revealing uh, outfit and uh, photoshopped looked very different than the non-Photoshop, right? And if they don't specifically say this is Photoshop, they're not allowed to, uh, you know, they can get fined. Now, this will address, you know, the, the, because you, you see a lot of people even kill themselves, teenagers, yeah. because we compare. So we want to feel that we are alive, that we belong, etc. And when you look at the current generation over the last decade or, or 20 years, growing up, growing up, right? Parents were working or the digital pressure and all what is beauty, what is intelligence, how success, unless you have a net worth of 5 billion, then you're successful. So it's, it's all these things. And I think COVID has shown people to be more critical thinking now, to, uh, to look more what is truly important. I'm breathing, my breath is the most important thing because without my breath, I'm not alive, right? To have much more internal validation. And I think this is, is, is huge. And the last thing I will say is the, the emotional intelligence on social media. If, if you are standing in a supermarket and someone crosses you, they're unlikely to do it, but you're more likely to react because it's face to face, right? It's in front of you. This is the problem in the internet, right? We feel an impulse. We feel that anger, the assumptions, the brain, you know, goes back in the filing cabinet, comes up with all these assumptions and whoop, it's out there, <laughs> right? There's the tweets. Now, some people do it conscious to provoke reactions, right? Some people post very controversial stuff to provoke reaction, to boost their algorithm and to boost their followers so they can make more money. And I'm not saying this is good or bad, but it's important to understand, right? Algorithms, it's important to understand how even states or actors are using bots to actually uh, promote hate speech or promote these negative comments that because people take it very personal. We perceive the world based on how we feel. And when you become aware of it, you can take some you know, we can educate our children. Parents can also do their part. And it's not easy because as adults, we all want to seek our unmet emotional needs from children. Right? Yeah, exactly. We all have mommy and daddy issues, right? I had many of them. I worked my way through them at the end. But I think it's just becoming aware and why emotional intelligence is so important, right? right? To, to help people focus more on their character on there. And I know this sounds very Ethiopian because we all like to, I, I think what I find sad, and, and again, this is no way judgment, is that we now live in a world where we place so much value on fakeness, on group, on, you know, if, if someone is famous and, or then, you know, there's just authenticity, right? Don't be afraid to disagree. You can do it with kindness, right? And you don't need to fit in. I think you are, everyone is born to be themselves, not to be someone else. And, and if there's nothing wrong, I want to also make a lot of money, but I don't want to make a lot of money because of the money. I want to make a lot of money because it's my birthright. I don't need to justify it to anyone. This is one. Two, I want to invest. I want to build things with it. And three, I want to live a life of comfort. But we end up 
justifying ourselves or becoming slaves it's just important to understand your own motivations and not judge yourself and understand dynamic social responsibility understand the impact of your words words matter right especially online because a lot of people don't have these emotional firewalls a lot of people don't have emotional resilience and it, it really you know can drive people in an instant to take their lives to inflict more pain, to revert to criminal actions, to join terrorist groups, all kinds of, you know, uh, dark uh, criminal acts. Well, I, I believe we can talk for hours and hours <laughs> in this kind of topics. And yeah. honestly, I was just like so quiet here because I wanted to take it in. And it's really kind of eye-opening for myself. And obviously, our audience as well will take heart to what you were saying. And it's important that you mention about that, like what are the types of things that we consume that might affect how we react on certain things and how we see the, the world based on our past experiences. And of, obviously, people would like to be validated. And that's why it is being capitalized on social media, right? We wanted to post things to be to feel validated, to belong, to fit in where we don't want to, you know, maybe offend someone because we might get a backlash of haters from online. And I think it's very important that you mentioned about emotional intelligence, especially with kids, because most of the time, you know, um, pedophiles are preying on this kind of things and as parents if they are always out you know at home and just working they cannot guarantee the safety of their kid and they, they will just wonder like you know how do my 12 year old kid become pregnant or how do my 12 year old kid somehow run away home and do something you know nasty right um, because these are like all vulnerable topics I, I don't want like to spread fear on this podcast but rather this is a reality that we are facing right now since we are more exposed online than ever, ever since the hybrid approach comes to into workplace. Um, but as we move towards the end of the show, uh, I just wanted to acknowledge you for sharing your journey, 20 years of experience. You know, there's a lot of things to unpack in there. I I'm sure <laughs> our audience might request for a part two of this. But, you know, for our audience who might be interested to work with you or know more about your work, where can people find you? So they can find me on, on LinkedIn. I love to connect. I'm very active on LinkedIn, both on, on, you know, on, on emotional intelligence related to cybersecurity, but also mental health. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can uh, check out my uh, website, uh, trywitheq.com. Uh, I also have a personal website, which I'm updating as I'm developing masterclasses related to emotional intelligence for the broader audience, especially dealing with these topics. How do we communicate with our children? How do we validate ourselves? And how do we navigate a digital secure footprint? And that is NadiaAlfatasi.com. So uh, the best way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can, if you're an organization and you want to learn more about uh, the, the awareness training and really building resilience across your workforce, they can contact me at Nadia at thriveeq.com or, or go to my website, thriveeq.com. And, and thank you very much, Danielle, for, for reaching out and for connecting with me as well. I think LinkedIn is not only about dog, cats, and, and <laughs> pregnancy announcement. I think for me, it's been an amazing uh, platform to connect with people all over the world. I think you're in the Middle East now, in Dubai, and, and um, me here in Brussels. So I think it's, uh, it's amazing, and I'm really... Uh, very happy to have had the opportunity to, to share 
my uh, my wisdom on this. Thank you. Awesome. Well, my last and final question to you, Nadja, is if everything is stripped away from you, I'm sure you might experience this once or twice, um, and you got to start all over again, right? What would be your main drive to succeed? If I would, so first I'm going to give like a humorous answer. I would start a tomato garden somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, peace, peace of mind. Because I actually, I, I, it's it, being an entrepreneur, as you know, is I think one of the toughest. You know, single mom yeah. entrepreneur doing something totally different. It's, it's, uh, it's been quite, it's, it's quite a challenging journey. But what really drives me is I've seen the impact on even one person, right? On how they achieved emotional freedom, how they learned how to navigate life. I don't, you know, life is not. Kumbaya, life is up and flow. And what drives me is, is helping people remembering who they are. We, uh, we limit ourselves so much because of other people's opinions, because of what we were told as children and because of, of all external environments. And I think there is so much suffering, right? And so much stigmatization about, I don't know if that's an English word, about mental health. And this is what drives me. It, it, this is why I quit my job. This is why I wake up every day. This is why when the pandemic hit and I was in a very difficult situation, I didn't know what to do. This is what drives me every single day. And, you know, it sounds Ethiopian for some, but I would love to live in a world where we can just be ourselves. And I know it's not going to be everywhere, but I think if people remember who they are and they're so much more powerful in their own way, they don't need to have a 3 billion euro network to be someone. I think yeah. the question that needs to be stripped away from schools to children, who do you want to be when you grow up? They are already someone. They are already their unique person. Actually, I'll close off with this. I've really trained my son in this. And he gave me a taste of my own medicine the other day because sometimes I, not, like, I have a lot of work now so on my phone. And he's like, mommy, why are you so much on your phone, right? Why don't you enjoy the present moment? Look at me. I have my tablet. The tablet is hidden away. I don't look at it. I enjoy my time when I'm you know, present with you. It's more important to create memories and experiences than to be glued on your phone. Eight years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First, I was like, ouch, right? because he's totally right. And then I'm like, you know, way to go, Nadia. Your effort paid off. Communicate with your children. I tell my son when he wants attention, he doesn't need to go online. He doesn't need to do all kinds of you know, weird behaviors. You can talk about it. So I, I think we, communication is underrated. Right? They're very, very smart, the generation of children. Right? Talk to each other to your colleagues, right? At the end, behind every organization, behind every system, behind every desk, there are peoples. These are not numbers. And I would invite you to stop judging people as good or bad. People are joyful or miserable different times and uh, during their day in their life, right? Apply curiosity. We can always find one thing we appreciate. We don't need to like each other, but respect. And because a lot of people are suffering in silence, yeah. right? And this is what drives me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I think it's really important as well, the, the fact that you mentioned about your kid, about, you know, communication. And sometimes 
actually not sometimes in most cases we need to practice what we preach in public <laughs> but that we do in private right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i'm sharing it but, I, but again and not judging ourselves no one is perfect you know i make mistakes as well but self-awareness i catch myself right and i'm like yes he's right and then you know he teaches me to to actually you know it's i don't need to be on my phone that much uh, nowadays well, Nadia, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. For our audience, go check out Nadia on LinkedIn or Nadia at thrivewitheq.com or, or her website, thrivewitheq.com. So once again, Nadia, thank you. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. This way it can improve our searchability, reach out and impact more people too. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.